and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dahlman. Today we are sitting down with Board of Supervisors member and representative for the Roberts District, John McLennan. Welcome. Thanks, Renee, and I hope your listeners don't mind a little scratchy voice. I'm recovering from a little bit of a cold. A little and, bit of a uh, cold. It's sounding much better than it did at our last board meeting, but that still uh, has a way to go. Well, and the key is that you feel better. I feel fine, right? Okay. All right. It's just a little scratchy. That's right. So tell me, what is going on in James City County and in the Roberts District? Well, lots going on right now. We've got so much uh, activity in the Roberts District that is designed to improve a lot of our community uh, aspects, including the fact that right now uh, we are getting ready to start some work on stormwater management in Grove, a multi-million dollar project that's going to significantly improve the problem of flooding that's been happening down there and get some of the the rainwater out of the uh, ditches and into a safer place to, to collect Uh, We also have a lot of work going on with uh, starting to plan for the improvement of Route 60 uh, through Grove. It's going to be much more attractive. It's also going to be much safer because we're going to have multi-use trails and and sidewalks where people right now are walking along the side of a very busy street. Right. So that'll help quite a bit. And uh, there's a study going on right now that's just about finished up looking at the possibility of adding some new recreational facilities in Grove as well. Okay. So a lot going on in Grove. Uh, folks in a number of other areas are also interested in what's happening. Um, we are looking at uh, some work at the Hampton Road Sanitation District plant mm-hmm. down next to Carter's Grove. And uh, we're also thinking about the possibility that with the new SWIFT project, which is going to take that uh, wastewater and convert it back into drinkable water, mm-hmm. re-inject it into the aquifer, that may go a long way to help deal with our long-term water needs in the county. Right. Now, what does SWIFT stand for? Good question. Good question. <laughs> and I'm not going to remember the acronym right okay, now. Okay, that's fine. But uh, it is a project that has been underway for a couple of years now and carries a lot of benefits uh, associated with it. Uh, it will ha- have the effect of producing a, a tremendous amount of new drinkable water that can be put back into the aquifer, which has been drained quite considerably over the last several years. Uh, It's really created some problems as far as the state's concerned. The Department of Environmental Qualities and State Water Control Board are all looking at this area as one that needs a lot of uh, help with water. And they've been proposing to cut back significantly on the amount of water that we do use Mm -hmm. uh, for residential purposes. That, I think, is a real problem for us. So this could potentially help that. And a real side benefit of it, a very significant one, is that the modeling does suggest that uh, the reinjection of the water into the aquifer helps us with land subsidence. Oh. So uh, with all the concern that we have about uh, the... Sinkholes and things like that. Sinkholes and uh, the impact of sea level rise, mm-hmm. which is putting more areas in danger of flooding, this could actually improve the situation significantly. Now, when will this start? The injection of the water back into the Well, aquifers. there have already been a couple of uh, pilot projects okay. started. And uh, this particular one, I think the idea is to have it operating within the next two years. Okay. Wow. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I know that the Board of Supervisors had a very challenging case uh, right. regarding the Oakland Point subdivision. Can you talk about, is that a subdivision or I suppose not a subdivision, apartment complex? It's an apartment complex project that is designed to take advantage of uh, federal tax credits that are provided for people who will build housing for low and moderate income residents. 
And there was a lot of concern from local residents about the impact that 126 apartment units would have on their residential community, both in terms of traffic and in terms of additional children in the school system, Mm -hmm. and just a change from the rural character of the area. So all of those factors kind of came into play. But there's obviously a need for affordable housing in the community as well. I think the real challenge with the Oakland Point case was that it became a kind of touch point that uh, was uh, as if it were more significant than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. That one project is not going to solve the question of affordable housing in James City County or the greater Williamsburg area. I think that's going to take a much more concerted effort and really require that there be a lot of folks who put some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest reasons for lack of affordable housing is simply that folks don't have enough income. And a real problem there is that a lot of our employers, whether it's in healthcare or in the hospitality industry, are paying a minimum wage. And that minimum wage really can't provide them with the resources they need to be able to afford decent housing. Right. I think if we could work on improving the pay scale in the area, that would have some very positive impacts. And it may also be that we need to work with those employers who feel they can't afford to pay much more than minimum wage to figure out if there are some ways in which we can raise some money in order to perhaps provide vouchers for low-income residents in the community so that they can afford a better uh, housing situation than the one they might have now. Now, what would you say, uh, part of my job, I review comments, I review social media, what people are saying about the county and about the Board Mm -hmm. of Supervisors. And Mm -hmm. as you are aware, there was quite a bit of community involvement and input on this project, right? what would you say to those voters that feel maybe disenfranchised, that they said, I want you to vote this way and you voted that way? Right. Well, I think that in this particular case, it would be hard for a citizen to walk away from the project and not say at least that they had the opportunity to speak or to communicate with their local representatives. And I think they could tell in the discussions that the board had in public Uh, that this was really a a difficult issue with two very valid competing interests. Right. Because the board really did deliberate for a long time on it. And, of course, we're also constrained by the fact that the state has uh, limited the amount of proffers that we can accept, the ways in which we can deal with some proposals that come forward. And so within those constraints, we have to, to balance all the interests that are out there But uh, we heard over 40 speakers uh, when we had the public hearing. We received, I would guess, close to 100 emails from folks around the community on this particular topic. And I think they probably heard in the questions that we asked during the process a lot of those concerns that were expressed on both sides of the issue. Mm -hmm. So if people were, um, people can't assume that because they speak out, their position will prevail. But they can expect that people will take their concerns seriously, again, when, when those are expressed seriously, mm-hmm. and evaluated. And I think in this particular case, though I know there are going to be people who are upset about the outcome of the decision, uh, there is still a sense in which they heard their concerns expressed. They had an opportunity to see what the response of the developer would be to those questions, and then you know they have to take into account what the board did. And if they like it, then that's great. If they don't, well, then maybe they need to continue their involvement. Uh, one of the challenges we had in this case was that 
the comprehensive plan really did designate this area, which is within the PSA, the primary service area, mm-hmm. for moderate density residential development. Which an apartment complex. That's exactly what it was proposed here. And I think that uh, while folks, again, may not have gotten involved in the last comprehensive plan project, our next one is gearing up now. Right. So it's a good time to pay attention to see how the land around you is zoned uh, and to make a, your voice heard. If you don't feel that the past designations make sense and you'd like to accomplish something else. Now, speaking of controversial mm-hmm. things, there was a big change this past week. I think it was on Friday regarding the power lines. Yes. Uh-huh. And can you help us understand that? Sure. As I think your listeners are, are likely to know, Dominion Power, uh, a couple of year, well, a couple of years now, it's about five years ago, said that they wanted to come in. Well, more than actually, even more <laughs> than five years, said they wanted to uh, put a 500 kV line across the James River. KV uh, kilovolt. Kilovolt, okay. right? And for the purpose of increasing the availability of power to the peninsula because of expected power um, demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, their proposal really included two alternate routes, one of which would go across the Chickahominy River through Colonial Heritage and down to Skiff's Creek in Grove. Uh, The other proposal would have brought the power lines across the river Mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Grove and right into the Skiff's Creek switching station that was going to be constructed. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they settled on the plan across the James River and announced that they were going to put the lines on 17 towers that extended as high as 300 feet above the river level. Wow. And uh, those lines would essentially be the only obstruction on the James River itself between Hopewell and Newport News. Okay. A 51-mile stretch of land that is part of the Captain John Smith Trail, Mm -hmm. which is the only uh, water trail designated by the national government. So the um, issue was quite controversial. Right. The county was not happy with it, and we involved ourselves very strongly in opposing that plan, not to oppose the power lines, but to suggest that there must be a better way to do it. Right. And one of those could have been to put the power lines under the river as opposed to over it. Right. Uh, Other ways included um, finding alternate routes or uh, looking for multiple lines coming in from different directions. And a number of uh, national park conservation associations and other uh, environmental organizations also joined us in opposition. And they actually took the lead as national organizations in building opposition to this plan, Mm -hmm. ultimately suing in federal court because the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers refused to do an environmental impact statement. Okay. Which uh, the environmental groups argued was required by the federal law. Last Friday, the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia agreed with those conservation groups and said that uh, the permit that was issued by the Army Corps of Engineers had to be revoked. And this was just after Dominion announced that they had completed the line and turned the power on. Right. So it's uh, really an open question right now as to what's going to happen. Ultimately, there will have to be an, an environmental impact statement And if it comes back saying that this is not the right way to do it, Dominion had indicated that they would remove the towers. And so it'll be interesting to see just how much the uh, process plays out uh, in terms of 
saying that uh, the alternates proposed by the conservation organizations may provide better means of providing this power, Mm -hmm. or whether there is already so much invested in it that regardless of the adverse impact, it uh, has to stay up. But I would think that the damage has already been done. Well, the damage has already been done to the viewshed, but it can be undone by the removal of the towers. Okay. So if the courts ultimately are saying that uh, if an environmental impact statement shows that this is not the best alternative and that it fails to meet the requirements of federal laws, and there are three federal laws at stake here that the federal courts said basically were being violated, then the responsibility will be to take down those power lines and restore that viewshed, which, remarkably enough, can be done. Okay. Now, get your crystal ball out. Mm -hmm. Any idea how long this process is going to take now? Well, the EIS itself is expected to take two years. Oh, my goodness. Yes, right. And uh, the the irony of all this, of course, is that this was the very first request that was made of Dominion to uh, agree with the Army Corps of Engineers to do an environmental impact statement. So why didn't they? Good question. In retrospect, it would have been a much more responsible and efficient way to address this question. And I think that there's almost a a sense in which knowing that this case was sitting before the Circuit Court of Appeals in, in Washington, that Dominion went ahead with this full project. They really should have waited to find out what the outcome of this case was. And it's almost it sort of makes you suggest that maybe they're hoping that by doing doing this now, it's a case where they you know can ask for forgiveness right. rather than permission. Interesting. Now, is there anything that citizens can do right now? Well, I think that uh, certainly expressing uh, your concern to Dominion and okay. to uh, the Army Corps of Engineers and the State Corporation Commission okay. that this environmental impact statement be done properly and then meet all the requirements of federal legislation would be a useful thing to do. Okay. So people could probably Google um, how to get the, that information out Absolutely. to those people. Right. Okay. Right. So it's still not too late. Still not too late. Okay. All right. What else is going on? Gosh, lots of things are going on. We're wrestling with a difficult budget issue right now, and that is the fact that recycling costs are going up everywhere across the country and around the world. You know, China has been a major market for American recycled goods like cardboard and plastics and so forth. And they have significantly reduced their consumption of those recyclables. Okay. So the market has dried up. And that means that uh, rather than being able to sell the recycled products that are being collected every two weeks uh, for our residents, mm-hmm. that now we have to find other ways to dispose of those recyclables and, re- and get them back into the recycling system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the challenge that we face is simply that the costs of recycling are going up. Right. The folks who do recycling for us are not able to do it for the same cost they did previously. And we have to figure out how to pay for that. Right. The costs are roughly tripling. That's amazing. That is that is significant. We've been paying for the recycling program out of our uh, regular operating budget. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking at are some alternatives. One would be a voluntary program where those who wish to participate could do so at a nominal monthly fee. Okay. One of the things we're also considering is looking at the possibility of um, having the county take on a contract for solid waste disposal more generally. Okay. Most of our county residents, of course, hire private carting companies. Right. And that means that in a typical neighborhood, five or six different companies are coming into those neighborhoods every week to pick up trash. 
And that's a very inefficient use of uh, the, the neighborhoods. It increases traffic congestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not very efficient for the carters themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if we had a contract with uh, one or two carting, carting companies where they were assigned specific territory to pick up the trash, we could probably do it at a much lower rate, save our um, residents money if they're paying a private carter right now, and uh, produce uh, a, a, a better service for everyone concerned. So, and we might be able to roll the cost of the recycling program into that as well. Okay. So we're not really talking about buying trucks and hiring Correct. folks. Correct. We're talking about contracting with folks that do that already. That's every right. Day. That's right. Uh, I don't think we're, we're in the um, business of uh, putting together a new uh, sanitation department that mm-hmm. would go around. Although I think it would be the case that we would be more likely then to have some equipment on hand to deal with things like storm damage, storm right. debris, and large bulk items, uh, as some okay. of our neighboring jurisdictions do already. Okay, and I know that we do have one knuckle boom truck that they can use, but uh-huh. it's just one for 70-some thousand residents. Well, that's right, and anytime we have a major storm event that rolls right. through here, if it doesn't qualify for federal assistance and cleanup, then we don't really have the funds to go out and uh, collect all that. Right. So um, if we had a carting contract, then that would allow us more flexibility in that regard. Okay. What else? You know, this is a, a time of year I think folks are starting to think about all the different activities that they can enjoy outdoors. I always regard March as the disappointing month because you always <laughs> want it to be a little warmer than it is. And a little less rain. That's right. Well, yeah. anything to make for less <laughs> rain would be good right now. Uh, but it's a good time to start thinking about all those activities that you might want to engage in uh, in our parks. Just so many different opportunities. Kayaking uh, down at the marina or up some of our creeks, uh, up at Chickahominy Riverfront Park. Uh, fishing, of course, is available. We have that beautiful beach down at Jamestown that is growing mm-hmm. in popularity every year. is becoming a real hot spot for folks to come and enjoy a, a nice afternoon or evening. Right. We've got uh, a lot of uh, biking trails mm-hmm. and walking trails. We've got the beautiful Capital uh, Capital Bikeway. Uh, just so many different opportunities for people to get out and enjoy uh, nature and enjoy a little exercise. Uh, so hope everybody will take advantage of that and start thinking about how those parks and recreation facilities uh, uh, might be uh, useful from that perspective. And, you know, we, we do have some investments we need to make in some of these facilities. We have to do a, a good bit of work at the marina mm-hmm. to bring it up to speed uh, and uh, some work in some of the other parks as well. And I think a, a number of people are starting to think about the possibility of recognizing Uh, that we want to engage in land conservation in our rural areas to protect some of those important agricultural and environmental properties out there that are under so much development pressure. Uh, We need to set aside some land for future public facilities like schools and police stations and Mm -hmm. fire stations. Uh, And uh, then, of course, we have uh, a need to invest in our park and recreation facilities and uh, some additional park land as well. So it may be the case that we can start a conversation about the question of whether it's a good time for us to think about a bond issue mm. uh, that would be focused specifically on land. Okay. Uh, conservation of land, uh, acquisition of land for public facilities, and uh, the enhancement of land that we've put aside as park facilities. All right. 
Well, as you know, at the yes. end of the podcast, I like to ask a couple of questions that have nothing to do with anything that we've talked about. Right. All right. And I have a new list of questions. Uh-huh. That's Well, that's, I don't know if that's good or bad. Last time I, I did pretty well, which surprised me. <laughs> well, I think last time, if I remember correctly, I had Orioles trivia you for did. you. You did. <laughs> I do not have that today, but I can ask you. It's not the Orioles, but it's the Nationals. Oh, okay. Are you okay with Bryce Harper going to Philly? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm, I've never sort of attached myself to the Nationals, okay. so it's okay, okay. from my perspective. <laughs> um, I was watching Saturday Night Live the other night, and uh, they did have an interesting joke uh, on there that uh, basically said Bryce Harper had signed a contract uh, with the Phillies for $333 million, which answered the question of how much would you have to pay somebody to live in Philadelphia? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was a good one. Philadelphia is a great place. <laughs> right, right. Okay. All right. So first question, what fictional family would you be a member of? What fictional yeah. family? Good grief. Could That's be TV, a... movies, books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, oh, boy. Um, I don't know. That's uh, It's got to be a fictional one, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose... I would want to be a member of uh, the, gee, there, <laughs> there's a, a, a book that I, I kind of enjoy uh, called Confederacy of Dunces, which okay. is about uh, uh, New Orleans, and it's a very dysfunctional family, but they look like they were kind of fun, okay. a little crazy. Yeah, all right, uh, very good. So Confederacy of Dunces. Right, okay. John John Kennedy Tool, O'Toole. Okay, what is your favorite sandwich and why? What's my favorite sandwich mm-hmm. and why? Um, you know, I kind of like a Cuban. Oh, very good. Yeah. It's a nice combination of, of uh, meats and cheeses and uh, uh, some good spices that mm-hmm. just kind of make it uh, a little bit zingier and zestier yeah. than, than a typical sandwich. And pickles, too, Yeah, pickles, right? Yep. I love pickles. Yeah. They're, they're good. Very good. Now, I'm going to throw in a third question okay. just for fun because I'm the host and I can do that. <laughs> What's the funniest thing that you did as a kid that your parents continued to talk about? Huh. Funniest thing I did as a kid. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what was a funny thing I did as a kid um, that uh, uh, my parents would have talked about. Um, <laughs> or were you a serious that kid? Was, you know, that was a long time ago, <laughs> Renee. <laughs> Just a couple of years. Uh, I, I think that, um, yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, I was a pretty serious kid, I think, okay. is, 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 is the answer, but uh, I had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I used to deliver a newspaper that uh, it uh, um, cost subscribers 10 cents a week. Wow. Uh, and you can imagine that did not earn me a lot of money. No. Was that a morning uh, newspaper? Because back it in... was It was a once a week newspaper. Week. It was our okay. local newspaper. It cost okay. 10 cents, and, and I delivered it on my bike. You know, though, I think that... Uh, when we, when we think about uh, crazy things, it wasn't exactly when I was a kid, but the thing that, that really stands out in my mind about my early years was one job that I had. I was a good humor man. Oh, an ice cream man. An ice cream man, right. It was. I just turned 18, and it was the middle of the summer before I went away to college, and I was desperate to earn some money. Right. So I had some change in my pocket when I went off to school. So I showed up at uh, a good humor plant because they were advertising for drivers in the middle of the summer. There should have been a clue right there that there was a problem with being a good humor man. <laughs> if they were looking for folks in the middle of their hot season. Sure. 
So I went in there, and uh, the first question they asked me was, can you drive a stick shift? Oh. And I guess my answer to that was not, have you ever driven a stick shift, but do you think you can fake it? (laughs) And I thought, well, you know, I can probably do that. Well, and I would Uh, imagine first and second gears as you're driving through neighborhoods. Right. I figured it out over the course of the next day or so. Uh, I'm not sure how the transmission fared on that particular truck, (laughs) but I will tell you this, that uh, it was an interesting educational experience to be a good humor man. And especially when you're at the bottom of the totem pole, you got the worst truck where the the, um, ice cream freezer doors always froze so that I literally had to go 10 feet back and run at the truck and leap up with a kick to the door to knock the ice off of it in order to get the door open. Oh, my gosh. And then I would find that uh, the kids invariably wanted to buy uh, one ice cream stick. They, what did they call them? Um, it was it was a, a single ice cream pop. Okay. Uh, not, not ice cream, ice pop. Yeah, okay, like a popsicle or something. Yes, right, yeah, okay. right. And they cost a nickel. Okay. And I made... 20% of my sales. Wow. So if you're selling a nickel ice cream pop or ice pop, you're making a penny yeah. every time you do that. Wow. And my biggest mistake was that I thought, gee, I ought to carry about 10 different ice pops with me okay. so that they have plenty of choice. Right. And it took me about a week until somebody said to me, you know what? Bring one flavor. <laughs> You're only making a penny on it. Right. <laughs> Don't give them any choices. <laughs> that is a but great it was, story. It was a good learning experience. Yeah. It was it was a little terrifying because the route that they gave me, they said, when I first went out there that very first day, a group of kids stopped me and they said, you're the new good humor man. And I said, yeah. And they said, we've already driven off two good humor men and one good humor lady and you're next. What? It was an interesting introduction to the world of ice cream. <laughs> that is a great story. Thank you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. It was my pleasure to croak with you today. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, hopefully your voice will come back sooner than later. It will. Yes. Good. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to go online and to subscribe. That way you'll make sure that you never miss an episode. Also, check out our website. We're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you're going to be able to find all of our episodes as well as a form that you can complete and let us know what you think. We're looking for any ideas, any feedback for future episodes. So we will talk with you next week.